0: A human being, a skeleton is a, is a series of levers of variety of lengths, and the joints are where those levers connect. If you have differences in the length and the, and the orientation, how could you possibly expect that two physically different length levers with orientations that are different would possibly move the same? It's just, it's absolutely not true. So then I'm like, why do people argue that? And I realized it's because they're thinking of squatting in a different way.
1: Welcome to the Movement Code Podcast, where we help you decode movement, health, and lifestyle so that you can expand and grow. Hey guys, my name is Antonio Gurley, your host for the Movement Code Podcast. I am a father, husband, business owner, rehab practitioner, and coach. Information overload has paralyzed many of us, and we are overwhelmed with good intentions and don't know what or who to trust. We aim to provide you clarity and confidence by bringing you expert advice for the everyday person. Thanks for spending some time with me today and enjoy the episode. What's happening guys? Welcome back to the Movement Code Podcast. Uh, my name is Antonio, your host for the Movement Code Podcast. This is going to be the second part of our conversation with Ryan DeBell for Movement Fix. Last week was part one, so if you have not heard last week, go ahead and jump over and make sure you, can, you, you connect on that. Um, part two does not really uh, directly follow per se what part one is. You'll be able to pick up a lot of it just without listening to it. But as always, I would encourage you to listen to part one too. Um, Just so you can get to know Ryan uh, and get a little bit of history and background if you do not know who he is already. So part two coming at you. Uh, Reminder, subscribe, YouTube channel, and the podcast episodes. You can be sure to catch those. If you have not done so already, we do have a couple free movement PDFs for you. We have a mobility one, a shoulder one, and a low back series that you can get on our website for free. If you go to enhancedmovements.com, that's enhanced with a D and movements with an S.com, right on that homepage there, subscribe to our newsletter right there and you'll get those three free PDF documents that you can follow along to improve your mobility for your shoulders and and also work with your back. All right, on with it guys, Uh, enjoy part two. So with that, with that, because you've we, we've talked about this before, you've talked about it a, a plenty of times, and hope you know where I'm going with this. Does the butt wink matter? And this is my take, because I know you probably you have an opinion, regardless of my opinion, right? And the guardrail is a perfect analogy. It's a depends questions. So it depends on a lot of different factors. For instance, the air squat, where you're not doing a whole lot of load. But as you start to load it up, we need to be more conscious of it. But in my opinion, the guardrail, right? If you are getting more prominent butt winking at the bottom of a squat, to me, you are starting to then push into those passive structures that are trying to slow down lumbar flexion under load, etc. So I try to manage it as best as possible, pending the restraints and the sorry, the constraints of the person, etc. But for someone who talks about varying squat stances and other things like that how does the guardrail analogy come into butt winking
0: people are confused on squatting a lot and what i mean by that is there's some there's basically three main arguments right i mean there's like three major opinions one of them is or like arguments is a better way so one of them is, should the butt wink happen or not? Now, let me rephrase that. There's two arguments now that I'm clarifying it in my head. There's, should the butt wink happen or not? And then the other one is, what's the optimal stance? And, you know, so people argue like, well, no, you're supposed to be 10 degrees toed out and shoulder width. No, no, it has to be varied because people's hips are varied. First of all, why are you squatting? What are you trying to accomplish? So if somebody's goal is to squat heavy and go as deep into hip flexion as they can, then the anatomical variations in the length of the femur and the tibia and the torso and the version of the femur and the orientation of the acetabulum and the depth of of course those matter. How could you ever argue that those don't matter? It's like that would be like saying that I don't believe in the fundamental laws of physics. Of course they matter. A human being, a skeleton is a is a series of levers of variety of lengths and the joints are where those levers connect. If you have differences in the length and the in the orientation, how could you possibly expect that two physically different length levers with orientations that are different would possibly move the same. It's just, it's absolutely not true. So then I'm like, why do people argue that? And I realized it's because they're thinking of squatting in a different way. They're not thinking of squatting as a maximal hip flexion exercise. That's how I think of it. When I am squatting for weight, it is, I am trying to squat as deeply as possible into hip flexion, right? That's one way to look at it. Another way to look at it is you're trying to have the feet forward because you're training, for a sport where you need that orientation because of the stance that your athlete is in okay in that case yes there's probably a different stance and because you're not trying to go all the way into hip flexion to the greatest depth then it doesn't matter because the anatomical variation won't matter until you get to the end of the range yeah so people argue about that but they don't even realize that they're they're not even talking about the same thing yep like Because I just couldn't figure out why are people making the counter argument because you clearly cannot make the argument that everybody should have the same stance to get the greatest amount of hip flexion. It's just physically, absolutely, 100% undeniably false. So, uh, But in terms of the butt wink, it's interesting, right? Because think about the shoulder joint. If somebody had shoulder impingement in shoulder flexion, you would look at the motion of their scapula, wouldn't you? Yeah. And okay, so if somebody had f- impingement in their shoulder, what would you look for in their scapula? You would be like, oh, is their scapula upwardly rotating enough to orient the socket of the shoulder so that you don't impinge the tendon between the humerus and the acromion process, right? Well, the pelvis has a socket and the butt wink rotates the pelvis to change the orientation of the socket. So what if you had somebody who is getting impingement in their hip joint? The butt wink is their way of changing where the socket is pointing so that they don't pinch their joint. So we've sort of made kind of like accidentally a problem for ourselves in the strength and conditioning world, in my opinion we're doing a heavy weighted exercise where we're putting weight directly on the spine. And then we're trying to take a joint that has a physical limitation in flexion, And we're trying to take that joint as far as possible without letting the lumbar spine bend. And so we're maximally holding the lumbar spine and preventing the pelvis from rotating. And then we're basically jamming the hell out of our femur into our acetabulum, whereas uh, maybe we just shouldn't do that. Maybe when we squat fully, it should include lumbar flexion so that we don't pinch the hip joint in certain people. And we've sort of artificially, like if you saw a bunch of monkeys and they were doing an exercise where they were jamming their joints at end range because they weren't letting all the segments bend, you'd be like, why are those monkeys doing that? That's, like, that's kind of dumb. Well, they're doing it to get stronger so they can do Olympic lifting. It's like, <laughs> yeah, but... You know, they're messing up their hip joints and they're messing up their backs. Yeah, but on the internet, there's people who do it. I mean, I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit here, but like, what if you're not supposed to load the hip joint at end range flexion with a bunch of weight on your back without your back bending because it stresses the end range flexion of the joint? I mean, anatomically, that does happen. We know it happens in the shoulder, but when it comes to the lower back, it's like we... You know we're so biased that we think squatting heavy is like really really good, which I'm not denying that there's benefits to it mm-hmm. i've thought i've i've i I have thought and I still believe that i should that w- we should try to not load the end ranges of our joints really heavy. I just don't see how that helps the joint be healthy,
1: yeah, and I agree, and i think I think again devil's advocate arguments would be. Well, it de- like, what about X, Y, Z sport, right? Yes. Exceptions. There are certain things that would require based on a sport or activity or anything like that, where that might be the case. And there's, you know, most of those people have been doing those things for a longer period of time. There's been adaptation, but that's one of the things that I always try to ask the question is like, well, yeah. Why are you squatting in the first place? I don't know. Be stronger. Great. Does depth improve your strength? Or does, you know, does bilateral squatting improve your strength more than unilateral squatting where you're less susceptible to maybe those things? And it's funny, like almost for the majority of almost anything, and especially now with at least what's going on in the States with a lot of different topics is most people are just arguing over semantics. Right. If you actually have a conversation on what's actually trying to be discussed or achieved, many people probably would agree that you're on the same page, but just in the way you're
0: looking at certain things, you're just you're just too one-sided. Well, think about this, right? I mean, what if we zoom out? But well, before I before I say that, I definitely squat, and I think it's important. But I think that this quest for maximal depth while keeping your back held in neutral potentially can in certain people lead to painful impingement of their hip and i do wonder if that will over time lead to uh arthritic changes and damage to the labrum and then osteoarthritis and then people needing a hip joint replacement Mm -hmm. um, which we definitely see in people who are prominent in strength and conditioning getting hip replacements why are they getting hip replacements what have they been doing to their hips i'm curious Shouldn't well,
1: what I think is funny on that note, sorry to interrupt, is then the orthopedic is like, oh, it's probably just an anatomical variation. You were going to get it at some point
0: anyways. Yeah, I mean, there's no way to know anything, right? But if yeah. like if you're getting pinching in your hips and you're doing a lot of squatting, maybe it's because you're pinching your hips while you're squatting. <laughs> like, if you're, like you're, if you're pinching the joint and then it hurts and it feels like it's pinching, uh maybe you're pinching it maybe so you why, shouldn't why
1: don't people stop then
0: well because their coach tells them that they need to squat and squats are good for you and you need to do it and and that's that yeah <laughs> i don't know i don't know why i think that you should try to stop before you get into like even if somebody had hip impingement they're not going to have impingement until the very end because that's when it actually pinches so why not just train your squat and just don't go quite as deep yeah well, because my I don't get I don't get the same glute activation. Uh, I got. Well, then I do got, some accessory glute exercises. Use smarter no ways to. Yeah, because I'll get no rep. Well, <laughs> okay, that's a whole nother conversation because yeah. counting a rep based on where the knee is in relation to the hip and disregarding all anatomical variations, or if somebody has a bone spur in their ankle and they can't get into dorsiflexion. Well, uh, well, they don't get any reps. Well. We're not treating the human body very intelligently in that case, in my opinion. Like, the first thing to do is don't mess up your joints. And then build strength muscularly and control of the range of motion and try to keep as much anatomically available range of motion as you can pain-free. So let's zoom out a little bit, right? Because it's kind of hilarious in a way. If you took the earth and you made the earth the size of a soccer ball, okay? Okay. So imagine you took the planet earth and you shrunk it to the size of a soccer ball. Do you know how tall a human being would be? Very like good. One, one, one thousandth the size of a bacteria. <laughs> so then you have this this uh, soccer ball with, uh, billions of tiny little bacteria. And we're arguing over the way that one joint should be bent with weight on it. like, if you zoom out a little bit like that it's kind of silly that people get it's like look i get it because it's you and it's your body but think about what we're talking about it's like (laughs) people getting like they're literally like getting so heated emotionally about the way that we do i don't know when you put it in that perspective it's just kind of hilarious to me but i do think it's important right because we're all inside we all have a body so we want to treat it as uh, as well as we can. And this is where I think it comes down to like what are your goals, right? Because if you're an, if you're an Olympic lifter, then obviously you're going to have to do this stuff. But if you're somebody who just wants to be healthy, you want to feel great in your body, you want to have muscle mass because as, you know, you, when you get older, you don't want to lose muscle mass. You want to try to keep muscle mass. Do you need to stress your joints at end range to get muscle mass? No. You don't. And people make the argument like, well, every, you know, the exercises need to be full range of motion exercises. Okay. Do you do kettlebell swings? Is that full range of motion? Do you do jump rope? Is that full range of motion? Do you run? Is that full range of motion? Do you do a plank? Is that a full range of motion exercise? Do you do an airdyne bike? Is that full range of motion? The arguments are completely invalid. I mean, we've, We don't do that many exercises that are full range of motion. I mean, the Olympic lifts for sure, because you're trying to lift the most weight possible. So you have to move your body in certain positions to be able to do that. Gymnastics, yes, because that's literally like a full range of motion thing. But if you're trying to stay healthy and, and make your body feel great and add muscle mass and be cardiovascularly healthy, you don't have to do any particular exercise, period. And you should really be trying to not mess up your joints. What is the positive adaptation of loading your hip joints at the very end range of flexion with a bunch of weight on your spine? What is the adaptation we're trying to get here? No, no, what is it? <laughs> Nobody has, I don't know that people have an answer for that. Unless you're an Olympic lifter, unless you're a power lifter where you need that because it's judged that way. Mm -hmm. The problem is that, you know, people do certain exercise routines where it's like there's an RX workout, like in CrossFit, for example, and it requires you to do this. And then you do that, but you're sacrificing potentially. Again, not for sure. Because if like I'm biased because I have a bone spur in my left ankle from doing high jump and I'm retroverted. So like I've had anterior hip impingement because I had previously flexion intolerant low back pain because I wasn't lifting with you know good form and I was getting my back twisted way too much in Cairo school. And then because I protected my back from flexing so much, I ended up impinging my hip joint every time I squatted because I didn't have any flexion at all. So that's what really got me thinking about this, like, wait a second, maybe the pelvis should move at the very end to sort of soften the blow of like really heavy hip flexion. Like, just like when you raise your arm above your head, your shoulder blade is supposed to move so that you don't just jam your, your humerus up into the, uh, you know, that part of the scapula. So (sighs) like, there's just, uh, you know, we all want, clear definitive this is right this is wrong do this exercise don't do that one you know the world isn't that way the world isn't right and wrong for example so i'm in south america right like there's a lot of poverty here right now especially i mean you have to like to get into like a bank to use an atm it's like a you have to put your card in and then the door opens, right? Like every ATM at night, there's like, there's homeless people sleeping in the ATM places because like, like all of them. And there's people constantly, there's like families in poverty, like sitting outside of the grocery store with their kids on a mattress, asking for food and money, like constantly. So it's like, are you going to give every one of those people money? Can you do, is that bad that you don't? Because you could, but you don't because you can't give everybody everything. Like things aren't simple all the time. I know that's kind of a very strange oddball example, but it's just like, there are not easy answers to everything. There's not an easy answer to, should you back squat or not? I don't, uh, I don't know. For some people, they should. Like for some people, they can squat all the way down because they have certain length of their levers and they have a certain structure of their hip that allows for that. Another person like there's this one dude I remember he couldn't even get like 45 degrees of hip flexion before he had bony impingement in his hip joint confirmed by CT scan, major bony impingement. Should that guy squat? No. With weight. Like that guy couldn't even bend for like sit in a chair. He couldn't even get up out of a chair. It wasn't because he wasn't stretching. It was because he had like bony deformation of his hip joint. Mm-hmm. So like things just aren't so clear. But we have to be realistic that the body has limitations that the joints have and they should have limitations to the range of motion. There's no reason to think that every joint should have like infinite range of motion. We forget about that in the fitness and movement world. Like everybody seems to be pursuing infinite range of motion of the joints. That is absurd. <laughs> that is absurd. You think why can I like should I what what else should I try to do? Turn my head in a complete circle? Of course <laughs> I'm not going to be able to do that. There's certain limitations in my spine. So why do you think that everybody's going to be able to hit this squat like one person who can do it because of certain um, physical characteristics
1: of their body I, and and that's really important for those that are listening right it's like it's it's looking at those that have the ability to do certain things such as completely upright in the deepest part of a squat understanding that their anatomy is different than yours which is maybe
0: probably Probably like, yeah. If if you see Shaquille O'Neal, do you oh wow, look, he can dunk because he has such a high vertical. No, it's because he's seven foot three or whatever and he has super long arms. Of course he can do that. And that's why you can't. But when it comes to a squat, we're like, well, it's because they must be doing a certain stretching program. Yeah, that and that's what I was gonna say, like,
1: oh, I'm this person's super flexible, but here's the stretching routine that I did to be able to accomplish this, even though they're already potentially super flexible.
0: Right. Like I don't want Shaquille O'Neal's vertical jump program. I can (laughs) understand that he can do what he can do because he's physically very much bigger than me. And just like, I don't want somebody's stretching program who like has very short femurs and anti-verted hip because uh, I don't have that. I will never be able to do what that person does. So it's like, And that's why you have to know what you're trying to do. What are your goals? And then find the best tools to achieve your goals. Don't get stuck thinking that, like, somebody just made up a barbell, first of all. That was like the barbell is a human invention. The kettlebell is a human invention. A treadmill is a human invention. A rowing machine is a human invention. Those weren't not, those were not designed like to perfectly work with every human body. Like the diameter of plates on a barbell is a specific height. It was not the height that allows every physical human being to set up with a certain position of their spine. It's just not true. And it's unrealistic to think that every human being physically can do it. The problem is when you talk about this, that people interpret it as like, Oh, well, we should never do anything. We shouldn't try because we're never going to be able to do it, right? Which is just, again, things are not so simple that just because somebody is so far on the end of the spectrum that they physically can get into certain positions very easily that, well, if I'm not them, then I better not even try. No. What's the point? It means train as hard as you can and as you want, making sure that you're recovering well and making sure that you're not compromising the health of your joints. And you're not overstressing your body. And yeah. And use exercises are just tools to help you do that. And not every tool is right for everything and every person.
1: And, and uh, we didn't get into this and just being respectful of time. Well, maybe for a part two, but one of the questions I was going to ask at, uh, at, at an earlier point is like looking at like, what are human movements? And, and, mm, and, and, yeah, we, and I
0: have time for that if you want.
1: Yeah. You, you want. Do. So, so we were, we were talking a little bit, right? We've, and, and you had mentioned it early on, we're talking about like locomotion being mm. a, a basic human movement pattern. What have we been doing for eons and centuries as hunters and gatherers, yet coming down to this notion of putting definitions on certain things. We defined what a barbell is, we created certain tools that we utilize for fitness and training, et cetera, and then we put names on them. This is a squat this is a deadlift. But what I try to encourage people to look at it as is, yes, we do all these things for maybe aesthetic reasons, looking better, feeling stronger, etc. But what carryover does it have to this buzzword, functional training, functional tasks, right? Like how can you turn that into how can you live your life better? And so for instance, like what, what kind of sparked this was Okay, we have a deadlift and you want to be able to do deadlifts because you like going to class, you like the social aspect and I want to do deadlifts. Sweet. Based on who you are, your anatomy, lever arms, etc., then we have to take that task, the task that you want to be able to complete is a deadlift and we have to be able to either find out if you have limitations that need to be stretched out or mobilized whatever that is, or do we need to alter how you do said task to make it applicable to your body? So I'm curious your take on yeah these like basic human movement patterns. How do we how do we tie that into you know how do we tie that into what would be considered uh, maybe um, functional tasks or how can we approach training and movement with a different understanding of what functional training actually is?
0: Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because like speaking is a like I have certain functional movements of my mouth and my vocal cords and my lungs. Right, to be able to speak. Is that a functional movement? (laughs) Yeah, it
1: has an outcome. I don't know. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Right? You see what I'm saying though? Like, first of all, what do we what do we even mean when we're saying functional function of, of what? Our body? Well, is my mouth moving, creating words functional? Of course it is, right? Because like it's probably one of the most functional things because it allows you to get information from your head to other people's head. Is typing on my keyboard functional? It is because I type a lot. So like, what if I did a, work? should I do a workout where I like move my fingers really fast? (laughs) You know, like, so it, it, like people have these like, okay, there's, you know, there's hip hinging, there's squatting, there's locomotion, no one ever talks about throwing, throwing is super functional. Why is that not on the list? What about, what about, uh, twisting? What about jumping? Those are super functional movements, you know, like. We just have like decades and decades of people's ideas that have accumulated into books and things like that that have gotten everybody to think in very similar ways. But it's like we have to think about like where did those ideas come from, Mm -hmm. and are they actually true? Like, you know, there's obviously like a hip hinge movement, right? But is it really a hip hinge? Because people say, like, well, look at the baby. The baby does it. Yeah, the baby flexes their lumbar spine when they hinge. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: It's not a hip hinge. It's a forward bend. But do you want a forward bend like that with a lot of weight? No. So then you, you probably want to try to, like, keep tension in your lower back because of, you know, the research on the dynamics of an intervertebral disc. So like I guess that turns into a hip hinge. <laughs> right? do you see what I'm saying? It's like, where did these ideas really come from? Who decided these things? Cause I think that throwing should be considered a functional movement. How many gyms do exercises where you're throwing? You don't yeah. do that. But how many, you know, hunter-gatherers, if you you know, if you want to use that as a Basis of an argument through rocks and spears, and like that was potentially a very important part of human development evolutionarily. So, but you have to have some structure because if you don't have some structure, you're gonna fall apart. Like, you can't, I mean, you can't just do random things. The world is so strange now, right? Like, we don't live in the woods and we're not chopping trees down and like hunting so you have to have a structure to your training otherwise you're going to be super confused on what to do so to provide structure of strength training i think that if you look at the main things like locomotion like squatting like deadlifting, or hinging like pushing things with your upper body pulling things i think rotation should be included more in those like like, what about kicking? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, go to Th- like, go to Thailand and go to a kickboxing gym. Go to a, a Muay Thai gym. You're not going to see people deadlifting, but you're going to see people kicking really freaking hard. But we don't include kicking. Why? We don't include striking. Don't you think striking and kicking has been something that humans have done longer than deadlifting heavy weights? No. So, like, why don't we do that? Well, I, I think know. It was, wasn't in the book, I guess. <laughs> like if you do a bunch of bench press, <clears throat> which is essentially like, I mean, I guess it's open chain, but it's so different of the speed and the twisting that you'd have to do if you were striking and the way that your scapula moves. Oh, yeah. So there's certain things that you're just not going to get from training, upper body pushing, upper body pulling, hinging, squatting, and locomotion. Like what about standing on one leg and then tilting and then raising your other leg and kicking? Well, it doesn't fit. So it makes it too messy. So we just got to ignore that, you know? Well, and you made made a really
1: valid point when you're talking about talking, right? We do, there does need to be some sort of structure. Otherwise the conversation is just going to go nowhere, right? Like when you're talking about the, like the use of language, and you're speaking a different language, what's one of the questions? What does this mean? Or how do I say this? One language has a different word for the same thing, but the same thing is the critical aspect, is trying to boil down what are the, quote-unquote, functional training movements that we are trying to uh, train for tasks, sport, whatever. But I do agree with you in that, You know, rotation, throwing and kicking is interesting. Like the way that I've kind of seen it too is what back to the baby mentality because a lot of people try to, you know, compare adults to babies, but that doesn't necessarily uh, uh, articulate as well. But more specifically is just watching them learn how to move. When they want, you know, like when my kids are trying to pick up something heavy and they realize it's heavy, how do they use their Lever system to uh, uh, put themselves at an advantage to be able to pick up heavy things, and that's how I feel like it should be done. Right? They 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 learn how to do things through exploration. But so many of us, as we are told how to do something, put ourselves into a constraint, meaning I only can do it this way because I was told to do it, rather than having the freedom to actually feel out how their lever arms can be utilized.
0: Yeah. And I mean, a baby in like compared to a human adult is like substantially less conscious, right? There's definitely less like thinking to themselves like, hmm, now if I were to bend over and pick this up, how do I want to approach this? Right. So I think that there's something to be said there, too, where it's like, you know, we can watch how a human being naturally as a like animal in a way figures out the task of lifting something heavy but then you know because we can do scientific research we can say like well if we load the lower back this way that actually has the potential over time and reps and volume to create a a tissue injury so if we hold that joint and prevent it from bending we can lift heavier Mm-hmm. without leading down potentially to a, a path of injury to that tissue so when we deadlift let's not do what the baby does because we can use our conscious thinking and experimentation and research to find better ways than we naturally would have figured out for example here's another way of thinking about it right a thousand years ago you know we would use the elements in the earth to make clay pots Now we use the elements of the earth to create a computer that allows us to talk to each other, right? Because we as human beings have figured out better ways to do things. So we can figure out better ways to lift than a baby. A baby's stupid. Baby can't run. They're like the baby can't lift 500 pounds. A baby turns into an adult and the adult can use their brain and it can use the collective knowledge of of humanity to figure out that there's better ways because we found techniques that allow you to lift heavier with less potential to damage tissue. I think when it comes to these patterns, why don't we just say that those are the patterns that are most common in strength training? Those are not human movement patterns. Those are the easiest ways to define how to do strength training. So I think that there's four major things that humans should train one of them is strength training within strength training i think you have these patterns right because it's the best like there's no doubt in my mind that you'll get stronger in terms of being able to lift weight by doing deadlifts than by doing kicks so i think within strength training you have those but i think that there's also something about playing a uh doing some sort of combative sport because now there's you're using your body in a totally different way and your nervous system in a totally different way there's a real threat of getting hit in the face there's a real threat of getting injured and you now have to respond in that way to the opponent right so we get stuck in this box of strength training thinking that it's the end-all be-all of human movement it's not it's strength training so there's, there's a, like combat, that's a really different stimulus. And then there's rhythm, there's something rhythmic, like dancing. Like dancing, you could say is more expressive of human movement than strength training. Mm-hmm. I mean, how egocentric are we as people who do strength training to think that it's the ultimate expression of human movement? I think dancing is way more expressive than how heavy a deadlift somebody can lift. <laughs> And that's coming from somebody who likes to deadlift. (laughs) Like you watch what, what some dancers do. And it's like, I would love to see somebody else who doesn't dance, try to do that because I bet you can't even get close. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I think there's rhythmic. I think there's combat. I think there's strength training. And then I think that there's locomotion. um, And then I think that probably also some sort of like a sport that has a ball. Like there's something about the hand-eye coordination of a ball, mm, a sport, yeah. of like the throwing and the teamwork and the coordination. Like those to me, like if I was going to create like the perfect movement thing – oh, and and sorry, there's actually six because I think gymnastics. I think like if you think about Olympic weightlifting, which I, I would put into the strength training category. Yeah, Strength training is segmental movement. You are trying to hold some segments – From moving and you're trying to move in other segments every exercise is that way in strength training there's certain joints you're trying to not move and there's other joints that you are trying to move because your goal with strength training is to build strength and muscle right with gymnastics it's global body movements you have full global extension you have full global flexion like if you were doing a kipping pull up the way that a gymnast would do it all the joints are going in the same to make the same global body position you don't do that in strength training it's it's segmental so in gymnastics you get this full thing i mean you also get that in dancing but there's rhythmic there's like a rhythm and there's a response to the music and there's there's something to that that i think is quite unique and then in combat it's not segmental it's you know you're twisting your whole body to to like you're basically in a combat you're using your hands and your feet depending on like you know like kickboxing is an easier example than let's say like mma where you can do all sorts of like chokes and things like that yeah you're using your hands and your feet and you know like maybe your elbows and your knees to basically block and the whole strategy of that is to strike and you're solving for how to do that and then you know we already talked about locomotion and then again, the ball sport, there's teamwork, there's understanding, there's nonverbal communication, there's like there's like you know what you could call like athleticism. because you know people who like aren't strong, but you, you you go play basketball or flag football or soccer or whatever with them, and they can just like move in a way that's like you look like you shouldn't be able to do this, but they have a certain <laughs> neuromuscular control and smoothness to their movement, you know so the seven patterns, I think are great. Uh, for strength training but i don't think that it's the hu- the only you know the main ways that a human being moves no way it's the main ways that you can use as a structure to do strength training in a way that makes it easy to understand and easy to apply for sure mm-hmm. but let's not be blind to the fact that humans do a lot of things that are not in those patterns oh yeah 100 percent. and it's easy to just be like well it's a subcategory of this yeah. Right. Mm, okay. Well, you're just trying to make it look again. This goes back to the hue to our desire for everything to be perfect and fit into a nice, neat little package. Well, <laughs> reality doesn't work that way. You yeah. can't fit everything into a tight, neat little package, unfortunately, <laughs> but having the structure and the framework does make it much easier to apply strength and conditioning principles for sure.
1: I love it, man. Well, that was good. Um, so we've been we've been chatting for a while, and it's it's been uh, awesome, really good stuff. One thing that I try to, uh, one thing that I do at the end of the episode is uh for us, uh, either together or you, to find a challenge for the listeners to try to apply to the next week. So you know, using what we've talked about for the next seven days, what's a challenge that we can encourage the listeners to try to. Um, uh, Apply to their to their life.
0: Can it be? Can it be totally unrelated? Sure. To what yeah, we talked about. Okay. Have,
1: yeah, totally unrelated.
0: Uh, delete email and all social media apps from your phone for a week. Just do that. That's my challenge to everybody. All right. Anything behind that? I think it's a terrible habit to have a little computer in your pocket that you're checking constantly and looking at stuff and you're basically hoping it's totally reactive like you're not when you go onto social media you're hoping that someone else shows you something that's interesting you're not trying to actually find something intentionally that you want to learn or do you're hoping to go there and look and be like oh look at this look at this that's like going on tv and flipping through the channels you're just hoping that somebody else chose something that you can entertain you and I think people need to live with more intention. I think when you live with intention, it changes everything in your life. So like if you have email on your phone, it's like, how many times are you checking your email a day on your phone? Why are you doing that? You're doing it because you want to have something to react to because you're not being proactive and choosing for yourself what to do. Why do you go onto social media? Because you don't know what you want to do that you enjoy. If you found things you really enjoy, you wouldn't be checking your Instagram and Facebook and Twitter thirty times a day. You'd be doing the thing that you enjoy. So you'll find out a lot about yourself if you if you make those changes. That's why I think, and I think that uh, those things can just suck you in. And you should not let a piece of software suck in all of your attention, unless you are doing it on purpose for a reason so it's also like a I think when you do it you see that uh, how much control you have over your time and your energy and your mental state and you realize you know it's like how many times a day are you like going in and looking at Instagram and you see something and then that leads leads you down a line of thinking that you never would have otherwise had that ends up stressing you out probably a lot for a lot of people you don't have to do that. You don't have to expose yourself to that. Just go. Just try it for a week. Uh, uh, h- how
1: long have you been doing this?
0: Uh, well, I delete it. I delete those app. I don't have those apps on my phone, but I download Instagram like once every three days or two days just to look at it for like ten minutes, then I delete it again.
1: Uh, so you download and then re
0: delete it. Yeah, because otherwise I get sucked in. I'm, I'm like sitting there for two, for three seconds. And I just and I realized like oh I'm in this app again, why? Why am I doing that?
1: Now curious because you run web based businesses. Those <laughs> those are do you consider those assets to the business?
0: Um, the I consider those to be places where people can see the things that I'm making. Okay. So you so, you,
1: you utilize them for a purpose. That, those are platforms for you to share information that can benefit other people other people
0: right i don't use it to consume
1: so from a consumer standpoint though you're trying to reach consumers that need the app though to get in touch with you well and they it. don't
0: need the app they can go to to the website or they can go download the podcast or they can da- i send out so basically i was thinking about this right because i was spending way too much of my time and energy on move It fixes instagram
1: mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> and i don't like it I I don't like I just I don't like doing it because I, it feels so transient and ephemeral. So instead, what I realize is that I want to make um, articles and longer videos and podcasts that have real long term value for people, and I will post about those becoming available on Instagram so people can go listen, but they could just as easily subscribe to. The Move It Fix email newsletter, where I email out the things that are new, or the podcast, or the YouTube, because or the RSS feed of the website, because those will all go out through those. So I think of our Instagram as a place for people to see what we're making for the people who are on Instagram. Mm -hmm. However, I think that social media is a new phenomenon. We don't know how to handle it. I think it's destructive to a lot of people's mental states. I think that it gives instantaneous gratification without having to do anything other than post something. And I think that it distracts us from doing actual real things. Personally, I think that it can be used like anything. It's like junk food. I think of it as fast food. Like it's not good for us. If you want to learn something, don't go to my Instagram, go listen to an hour podcast. Go watch a video that I made where I'm teaching very specific things. Like, that's how I think about it. If you, but I'm not, I mean, it's not like a judgmental thing at all. I'm saying that I think that we have all gotten sucked into it without really realizing what we're doing. <laughs> like It hasn't been out that long. We don't know how to, we don't know how to really use it in a way that's healthy. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, I think there's a there's a lot of things about it that can be destructive when we use it unintentionally, and it starts to take away from our ability to be focused and alert. Like sometimes I look around and I feel like I'm in a, a zombie world. Like people are walking around; they're not even looking. They're staring into. They're 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 mentally in a in a in a different location. They're not here in the real world they're like mentally in some weird post and threads and they start reading and then an hour went by. It's like, you're never going to get that time back.
1: That is a good point. That's really So,
0: so yes, I would, the other thing, like in terms of business too, that's interesting to me is like, uh, if I don't post on movement fixes, Instagram, it shrinks. Like we lose people. We lose the total number of followers, which like, okay. But if I don't post to our YouTube, it grows because those are resources that people are accessing. So as a person with limited time, as every human being is, I am trying to focus on building things that are useful for other people that they can find and access to help themselves and to help others. There's no way on Instagram somebody's going to look at something I made a year ago. no way you're not looking at people's stuff they made on so it's like this weird thing where you get sucked into it and it ends up exhausting your time and your energy and your and you could have used that to like i could make 50 instagram posts or i could make one crazy really deep article on my website that people will find for years to come and so um yeah. So I use it as a feed, but, I, but I, and the reason I say that, and the reason I'm talking about it is because I just, I really did get sucked into it as I think so many of us had have, have. And then I had to create a new habit where I didn't have it on my phone and then had to change. Like I would find that when I didn't have it on my phone, I would open it and look to, I would just like habitually, unconsciously try to go tap on the app and it wouldn't be there. And I was like, Oh God, wow. Was I brainwashed by myself or what? The app isn't even here. And I temp, I tapped on the empty space. So it's just an unconscious thing. And again, I think that it's super important that we live with intention of what we're doing and awareness of what we're doing. And so I had to remove that for myself. I had tremendous benefits and I hope that others can also share in the benefits of freeing your mind from the apps that have been constructed to addict you, and those those apps are designed to release uh, endorphins in your brain, just like certain drugs. Right? Yeah. I mean, if you like sugar, releases certain chemicals in your brain. So do certain drugs, or they emulate them. Well, guess what? Guess what social media is designed to do? Also release those chemicals. I mean, you're just getting addicted by a company who's designing an app so that they can charge more for ads. And, and the expense is your attention. Mm-hmm. And you're paying that price whether you realize it or not. You only have so much attention and energy. Do you really want a big company like Facebook to be manipulating the chemicals in your brain? Ah, I don't want that. That's what they're doing. I mean, the whole business model is designed to keep you in the app. So how are they going to do that? They're going to use uh neurochemistry.
1: Yeah. It's, 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 it's a little mind boggling. Just how, how that all plays out.
0: Yeah. It's an unintended consequence of capitalism where there's a hidden cost of human suffering that nobody's accounting for is what it is. But yeah. Anyways, that's my challenge. <laughs> It's going to be a challenge, I know, for uh, for me and for everyone. So, <laughs> yeah, just download. It. How about this? How about the challenge? Is this just don't set the timer uh, on the screen time to tell you that your time is up after 15 minutes, and when it pops up, delete it until the next day. Perfect for those because you do don't that, baby steps. You don't baby. have to. You don't have to go cold turkey, but give yourself 15 minutes a day, and then delete the app. Like Perfect. Ooh, it's terrifying. You don't have yes. the app, <laughs> you know? <laughs> All right, guys. Yeah.
1: Uh, no, no, no. I, that's, that's good. All right. So uh, challenge for the week. Baby steps if you need it. That, that's what's also nice about the, the phones and technology they have. They, they Well, that just also tells you, too, how crazy it is. We are going to put in on, on the device or the phone ways to help you eliminate
0: screen time. That's why Apple did it like apple wants you to do that because they know that it's not healthy it's crazy (laughs) they're like hey we're gonna make a part of the software to show you and we're gonna make a way for you to unaddict yourself by making a pop-up to tell you you've been spending too much time in this app yeah so um, that in point
1: right there right Well, Ryan, thanks, man. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time and chatting with me today. Uh, It's been a, it's been a, it's been a blast and look forward to doing this again soon. Okay.
0: Yeah. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. And I hope everybody enjoyed the episode and they find some benefit. So
1: perfect. All right. Chat soon, man. Alright, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Movement Code Podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Got a little bit deeper into what we need to really think about as we're evaluating our goals and our expectations when it comes to our health, fitness, and nutrition. It is all possible, though. One thing I want you guys to understand is if you have those goals and those aspirations... It is possible, so don't just assume that because we're putting that cart before the horse that we are out of alignment and not doing what needs to be done. It's just trying to make sure we're reframing the right mindset as to our expectations as to when those things can get done. So keep that in mind. Keep hustling, keep grinding. If you have any questions, feel free to let us know. And we will do the best that we can to support you and make sure that we're giving you everything that you guys need. Uh, one last thing, if you have not done so, please make sure to go to our website where you can get your free low back guide. Uh, it's just right there on the homepage. You just need to subscribe to your newsletter and you'll get our free. Actually, we get three free guides. Uh, we have the mobility, a shoulder, and a low back guide. So jump on those. So you guys can be sure to get those. And we'll see you next week on the podcast. Take care. Bye.